Hello and welcome to Design Education Talks podcast from the New Art School. Our guest today is Emmanuel Barbosa. Welcome, Emmanuel. Hello, Lefter. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's wonderful to be here. So tell us about you and your work. Well, I'm a, I'm a graphic designer. I graduated in ESAD in Matosinhos, near Porto, in Portugal. Um, then I had a, a master's degree in Barcelona University, and I did my PhD in Valencia University. So about work, I, I've always worked, even since I, when I was a student, I already had a small studio with a colleague. And uh, we, we were always very, very keen in doing graphic work, looking at lots of information. And um, so I, I was always connected with graphic design. Even while I was a student, I was trying to do posters and book covers and this kind of stuff. After I finished my studies, I created my own studio. I, I worked with different companies. I worked with companies in Portugal, abroad. Um, and today I have my own studio. I, I'm also a, a design teacher at ESAD since uh, 98. And I also have lots of international cooperations with uh, design associations and because I created my own, my own association. Fantastic. So tell us more about, you know, any aspect of that or uh, we want to elaborate. Yes. Well, um, how, how did I got involved with associativism? Uh, while I was a student uh, in Portugal, we, we had just one uh, graphic design, one designer's association that was not working very well. So together with the colleague, uh, we founded... Um, a graphic designers association and uh, from there we started to try to help the the young students and the young designers to to promote themselves and to to create new opportunities and it didn't work uh, because after some times you know associations sometimes uh, can also create problems because we got in clash with others professional associations and i was very young so I quit that project, and uh, after that, I ended up creating a, a, an international association that uh, the, the main objective was to, to create bridges between Portugal and Asia, especially China. Uh, that was 10 years ago, and that association evolved to become the association that uh, we have now, that it's called Portuguese ACPT, Portuguese Cultural Association. And what we do is we, we create exchanges between Portuguese uh, cultural uh, projects, mainly very focused on, on, on design, architecture, and creative industries. And we create uh, joint projects with, with other countries. Uh, we have done things with China, with Vietnam, now we are working with Thailand, uh, with uh, Croatia. So that's wonderful. So you're you're exchanging is on a student level. No, 
No, on ah. a professional level. Also, we also work with universities, Fantastic. but we are a completely independent project. We are not connected Fantastic. with any school or anything Wonderful, wonderful. So what's the story? How did you get into teaching? <clears throat> yes, well, um, I got invited by the school where I graduated at ESAD in Matosinhos. Um, I, I finished my studies in 92, and then a few years after, I think they remembered about me because I got interviewed by a magazine, and then they, they just invited me to to go there. And of course, naturally, it was a very big challenge for me. I was a young designer. And I thought, whoa, teaching in my own school. So I was very keen to do that. And since then, I stayed there and I devoted uh, 20 years of my life to design teaching. Wonderful, wonderful. So is there any other research projects you're doing other than the Cultural Association? Are you involved with any other projects? Uh, well, I did my PhD about... Um, it's a little bit strange because I'm a graphic designer, but mm. uh, I, I have a very big passion, which is uh, motorcycles, vintage motorcycles, especially. Oh. And uh, I did my PhD about Portuguese motorcycle brands that uh, we had lots of brands in Portugal from the 1950s until 1990s. And there was no historical work about that. So I created a, a very big database of with all models, brands, all pictures. And I started to dig a little bit on that subject. And then from that, I got, uh, I was able to do a very big uh, exhibition at Casa do Design in Matosinhos, which is a, a kind of a small museum devoted to Portuguese design that is connected with the SAD. And after that, I organized two other uh, exhibitions about the same team in Agda, a small city near Porto also. So your PhD is on, is on what? It's uh, design history, something like that, <laughs> I can say it. <laughs> Related to the motorcycles? Related to the motorcycles, which is, that is a never-ending uh, story because you, you can you can approach the graphics, you can approach the motorcycle design itself, you can the service design, so it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, fantastic. So what are, what, are the, what are the education challenges you're facing in today? What you call, yeah. Well, um, I, I can tell you that I feel a very big difference between the, when I started, I started in 98 and of course it was a long time ago. So things change and gradually I started to feel that um, students were more connected with the, the material stuff today. Of course they have, access to lots of uh, information with the internet and they have all the mobile phones and these kind of things. So they, they, they swim in a sea of information, but that doesn't mean that they take from that sea of information, uh, many things, you know, um, 
sometimes I feel that in, in the beginning, when I started teaching, it was almost a miracle what the students were able to create for almost from, from scratch, from zero. They have very little information and they, they had to create by themselves a, a language. Uh, they, they needed to develop something based in, in a very, in very, very little information. Okay. Today they have huge amounts of information and sometimes I feel that they don't take from that information so many things as they could. But this is like 80% of the students because in that, in the middle of that, you also have 20% of students that are amazing and they are, uh, they have a very, very huge uh, creativity and they are very able to take out from all this sea of information, lots of stuff, and they become very creative out of that. So I think that my main challenge now is to, to be able to help the 80% that are lost in the sea of information to do the same uh, as the other 20%. I don't know if it makes sense. I'm yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And what, and what do you find works? What, what methodology are you using to engage the 80%? Uh, well, what I really like to do, because ESAD is a very practical school. Mm -hmm. From the beginning, the school was founded in 89. I was from the first year of the, I was one of the first students. Yeah. Um, the school was very, very Bauhaus inspired. It was very connected with uh, in, with local industry and uh, with local community, and so we are very, we have a very practical approach. And what I try to do in, in the classes, and especially now with these students, I try to involve the students with real projects as far as possible. They can be competitions, but. Uh, now I'm trying to do cooperations with small companies, most yeah. of times companies that um, were created by former students of the school that have a strong connection with the school and they like to, to be involved with the school. And for the, my students, it's very exciting to, to be able to create something that might be uh, use it for, for a real project. In the end, it's almost, uh, in almost cases, uh, it ended up in exhibitions or mm -hmm. like a small limited edition of something. I'm, I'm remembering, uh, a, ch a very small, uh, handmade chocolate company from, uh, a, a designer in Porto and, uh, students designed the, the patterns for the packaging. And it was a very funny project because it's chocolate. They, they were yeah. all very, it's, it's a funny thing to work. And in the end, the, the brand was very, very excited with results. And they invited the student to design a package for, for, the, for them. So this, this is a kind of a link you're making to employability in, uh, as well. Yes, yes, a little bit, yes. I think it's it's more interesting for for the students to be able to to be connected with uh, the market. But you need to understand that, uh, of course, now we are not so close. But Portugal is a very small market. We have small companies, uh, sometimes family-owned. So the 
a design to be a designer to be a graphic designer in Portugal, you need to be able to do things that maybe a graphic designer in London or in New York doesn't need to do because it's everything. It's very small. We have small companies, small studios. So a designer must do things that normally a designer doesn't do. And uh, even if you are a company owner, you need to do also lots of for, stuff. For, for, exa for example, uh, it's not it's not uh, uh, uncommon to to see the graphic designer also making the photography, also going to the to the factory and help to assemble the packaging in a small company. You know, it's yes. a little bit like that. So, but that's not 100% of the cases, of course. We also work sometimes with big companies. But there's, there's also lots of learning in that process. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah. it's very, it's funny for the students and they got very, some, sometimes it's, uh, uh, I like to see that some of those projects uh, become real projects for the students. And yes. after some time, they create their own projects out of that, out of the experience. It's, it's funny. Very good. So do you find that there are any parallels between motorcycles and design and teaching? Yes. Yeah. The motorcycles are, are, are objects. So mm. objects, they need to be designed. So yes, uh, I think... I think uh, we can do that parallel, yes. I never thought about that like that. <laughs> because yes. you're moving between these areas. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. Do, you, do you have a collection of motorcycles? I do, I do. I have motorcycles from 1950 wow. until the 90s, something like that. Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. And if you, if you could sort of uh, change something like with magic... What what would you do in, in design education? What would you change? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I, I really, I really don't know. I don't have a, a single answer for that. Um, I think that the teaching process, uh, it's, it needs to, to change today. And um, I'm not sure what's, what's the solution, you know. Uh, but what's the, what's the direction? What, towards what direction does it need to change? Um, it's very difficult today to, to, to catch the attention of the students, you know, because they have so many, so many inputs they have so many they have the sometimes when i'm speaking with a student he's speaking with me and at the same time he's looking at the phone and is uh, you know they they are multitasking and uh, it's very difficult to catch their attention and to attract them like it was before let me just give a, an example in the 90s uh, if we were going to look see a, a documentary about some graphic designer it was like an event you know all the class will stop and they will be very excited and they will be there watching it the documentary for one hour and then you would be able to speak about that after watching the, the movie 
And little by little, it started to be more difficult to, to keep the students, uh, to have them from looking at something for, for so much time. So little by little, after some time, the most I could do was showing them some podcast of uh, 10 minutes uh, about the designer. Yeah. And now it doesn't work. They, they really don't, don't care about that because they ask, okay, I can, I can send me the link. I can see that later, but they don't because they have lots of information at the same time. And it's very difficult for them to keep a focus on, on, on this. Uh, okay. So I don't know what can, I, I, I'm thinking about that, but I don't really have an answer to tell you the truth. Maybe you can help me. I don't know. Oh, this is your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, I think we need to find a way. My solution, uh, which is not the, the best one, but what I've been doing, as I told you before, yeah. is I try to involve them trying to do something that they are not able to find elsewhere. So they need to, they need to come to the classes to be able to, to, to do these projects and to have yeah. these connections that otherwise they wouldn't. So some of them are very excited with that and I think it works, but uh, a few of them, they keep uh, diving, diving in that sea of information, you know, it's... Uh, right, right. So you're saying that the attention span yeah, is the greatest exactly. challenge for, for, for us educators. Yes, that's that's one of the things. And, and we need to find ways of managing that in some way. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my English. No, no, don't worry, don't worry. That's, that's fine. Your English is very good. Uh, so yeah, so um, managing the attention span of students, f finding finding ways of managing the students' attention span. Yes. Yes, I think so. Mm. Mm. That's one of the main challenges. And what about? access to, to things, access to equipment, access to uh, apprenticeships, you know, access to, uh, how about the students' access to various things that they need to, to, to improve uh, their, their, uh, their learning? Well, um, today about the access to information is, is very easy now. Yeah, sure, okay? sure, sure. That's sure. one thing. Then, in, at least in, in the SAD, we always have uh, some parallel workshops and lectures and conferences, and we have uh, guest designers. Yeah. The school is very connected with the community, so we do lots of projects with uh, city halls mm -hmm. and with um, organizations. Mm. So um, they have access to information that uh, it's the same thing. How can I explain it to you? Um, a few years ago, if we had, I don't know, Neville Brody or David Carson coming to the school, the students, they, they were very excited about that. And they all go to the, to the conference and they all try to, to speak with them. Uh, today, it's not exactly like that, you know? Uh, mm. 
few of them still go, of course, but uh, many of them, they go just because they are in the class and they need to go. But uh, if it's not during their class time, maybe they, they won't. So they have access to, to these, um, to these fonts, but they don't really take advantage of them today. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I feel. So, um, about equipments and about opportunities, we have workshops, we have mm. all facilities in school, yeah. but very few students really use them 100%. That's what I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. I mean, I mean, uh, this is about sort of, you're, you're saying that this is more about motivation. Yeah, and their challenges yes, in motivating. Especially, yes, yes, yes. I think so. Fantastic. Is there anything else that you'd like to to add? Anything, anything else you'd like to leave us with? Well, I think that um, it still is a very big challenge for me. Uh, if not more, when I started to teach in 98, uh, of course, I was a young designer and I was very excited with the opportunity of teaching mm -hmm. and I was very involved. Now I'm not so much involved just in school because I have lots of other projects. Um, but I think it's a bigger challenge now because, uh, because of the attention spam of students and also because we are with we are completely um, immersed on, on information and it's very complicated to, to catch the, the attention of the students and being able to guide them, you know. Right. But what, would, what would your one message be to those students? Well, just try to find your own way because your way is different from the, your path, path will be different from the path of your mm. colleague because mm. each one of us is different. So mm. if you are, I don't know, a student from, from Portugal and from, and, or if you are a student from, from China, of course, your cultural roots are, are very important to you and you should be able to use them to create your own way. And your yeah. expression should be, a little bit different from another student with different cultural roots. And what I think that today we have lots of, uh, if I'm a young designer, I'm, I'm trying to do, I don't know, a poster about uh, a music band in Japan and uh, another one is doing the same in, in Ireland. Uh, they all go to the same sources. They will go to Pinterest, they will go to Behance, they will go to Google. And they will, in the end, they will end up seeing exactly the same things. Um, so it's very normal that uh, a Japanese graphic designer does a very similar work to a Portuguese graphic designer. Mm -hmm. I think it's worth to try to look at other things and look at your own uh, experience. In my case, in my case, it was motorcycles. Yeah. It looks a little bit stupid, but I found a lot of lots of information that later I, I, I included in my own graphic design work. You know? mm -hmm. So I think it's important for a design student to find their own inspirations and create his own path uh, by, by, by himself, not, yeah. not doing the same thing that the other people do. That's the easy way, but I don't think we should go by the, from that way. So they also need to go within themselves, right? You're saying yes. also we need to yes. go within themselves, yes. not just outside yes. and also exactly. possibly... I think the, that's the solution. 
yeah. You know. Also possibly use books and other sources. It can be, it can be something else. It doesn't matter. You know, you can live in a small village and uh, you be, be a designer and a shepherd at the same time. And probably you will find your inspiration. It will be something completely different, not yeah. necessarily books, you know, but, uh, no, I mean, you, you said about the internet, like they need to use other sources for yes, research. Exactly. Exactly. I think so. Like, uh, you know, I, museums, I'm not sure. Possible museums. Yes. Yes. The experience. I think you, you need to use your own experience and yeah. your experience will create your, your way. I think yeah. your, your experience can be a digital one. Uh, now we will have the, the challenges of metaverse and this kind of stuff, but it can also be a very analogical one, you know, and very, yeah. very traditional one. So each, each person, each individual is different. So I think it's fr we can start working from there uh, as a designer and you, we will find our own way. I used to show to students completely different uh, design approaches. Like, I don't know, you have for one side is James Victor or you have um, a completely... My own work is, is very, it's not very expressive. It's, it's a little... Uh, modernist inspired, you know, mm -hmm. uh, so I, I like to show that's the last thing I show to my student is my own work. Yeah. I don't think it's a good thing. I think they, they need to create their own, uh, way and they, they should not try to do what the, they think the teacher will like. That's the last Absolutely. thing I want them to do. So I don't know. I'm a little bit confused, a confused person. So, <laughs> That's it. I don't know. That's very good. So how can our listeners find you if they want to get in touch? Uh, you can just, uh, just uh, Google my name, Emmanuel Barbosa. You can write ESAD. It's in the school where I teach or in yeah. LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. I have a very old website that I'm now trying to update. So it's not worth speaking Great. about that. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much and looking forward to seeing you on the Design Education Forum we're doing this uh, May. Uh, yes. So we can do, do yes. many things. Okay, great. Thank great. you, Mario. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. All the best. Take care. Goodbye. Okay, Goodbye. Bye.